plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover. And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast. And we're from Now TV. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes nuggets that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. Hello, hi, and welcome back to this week's episode of Plot Twist. Now, as usual, you heard Tom in the opening, but he's actually off ill this week, which is sad times, but he's left me to introduce the show alone could be risky business, but let's just go for it anyway. Anyway, look, we hope that he's feeling better and we'll make sure to stick with what we know when Tom is here and get a few digs in ahead of his interview. So as I say, Tom has left us this week with a conversation that he recorded a couple of days ago, bizarrely, with another Tom. And this Tom is Tom Allen, who is the much-loved comedian and presenter. So you may know him from his many stand-up tours or some of his appearances on shows like Live at the Apollo or 8 Out of 10 Cats Do Countdown. And on my personal favourite... Bake Off the Professionals and The Apprentice You're Fired. Honestly, Tom Allen's wit and humour never, ever fails to crack me up. And luckily for us, he's also really into his TV and film. So Tom was really excited to talk to him this week about the new series of There's Something About Movies. So this is a comedy quiz show where Tom Allen joins Alan Carr, that's a tongue twister, alongside team captains Jennifer Saunders, who is my absolute favourite, and Michael Sheen. And they essentially battle it out of who's got the best movie knowledge. And this includes brilliantly where they reenact famous scenes from classic films. So on one end of the spectrum, you've got things like the iconic breakfast club scene. And if you know that scene, you'll know what I'm talking about. All the way through to the magical Aladdin and Jasmine flying around on their magic carpet. It's on Now TV, so give it a watch. And the show itself is one of the things that Tom's talk about in this interview. But as always, we love to hear the stories of how our guests ended up on our screens. And Tom Allen's route into comedy is really, really interesting. So we were excited to understand more about it and his career in general, but not forgetting, of course, the plot twists along the way. But before we get into it, it's really worth mentioning, and I can't help but laugh, the visuals that accompanied this recording. So our producer sent us a screen grab from the video call. <laughs> And I cannot tell you how much Tom and Tom look like each other. It is legitimately like they were separated at birth. I mean, that's a plot twist in itself. Although sadly for plot twist Tom, they clearly don't share the same genetics for humour. Anyway, look, that's my dig over and done with. But the uncanny resemblance is where we start this week's interview. So I will hand it over graciously to them. Here it is. It's Tom Allen on Plot Twist. Well, I was just going to say, it's like, it's like looking in the mirror, isn't it, with us two? Two Toms looking, uh, we're on video call, of course, and we, we do look quite similar. We do look very similar, Tom. And we've got the same name. It does feel like uh, our clones have uh, escaped. Yeah? What can I say? Have you always been bald? Probably the last three years. I was hanging on for a bit too long, oh, as you do, trying to bring so it forward. And, but now I just feel, you know, I feel more comfortable with it, actually. You know, one thing I've realised, Tom, is it turns out Everybody seems to be bald, but 
everybody else is hiding it, wearing wigs and getting hair transplants. And I'm glad we haven't succumbed to that. And I'm glad we're, we're better than that. We're embracing it. We're, we're, yeah. yeah. We're proud. I just, yeah, a friend of mine was like, yeah, I've shaved my head. And I was like, you look great. Welcome, welcome. And then, <laughs> um, and then he was like, oh, no, I'm getting a hair transplant now. As though, like, the idea of looking like me was just unthinkable. So, uh, I, I don't know. Because I, I, some people I, do it. Like, didn't Jason Gardner do it? But actually, I felt like he looked better with a shaven head. He's the judge on, uh, is it Dancing on Ice? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember he was one of the first people, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but you've worn a few wigs, haven't you? In, uh, with, obviously, you're on to talk about, there's something about movies. Oh, yes, I yes. have. So, yeah, that, yes, that was a reference, yeah. Very um, good, but, yeah. I have worn a lot of wigs in that, actually. More wigs than I ever thought. I mean, it is like, it's... But the natural look is so much better. Well, and of course, you know, it does mean the wigs slide off. There's nothing for it to grip onto. So it, don't think that, don't underestimate the work that goes into those reenactments. That's all no, I'm, I'm sure, saying. I'm That's sure. Well, saying. we'll come on to that more in a, in a moment. Uh, okay. Welcome to Plot Twist. Lovely to have you on. Thank you for having me in, in your lovely podcast. In your podcast, on your podcast. I mean, you're probably the first proper comedian that we've had on, actually. Don't say that. That's huge pressure. Well, I might well, not be funny. I mean, Steve Coogan might take some offence to that, but he's more of an actor these days anyway, isn't he? So He's more of an actor these days, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. probably are. Um, um, so I've got a few questions to ask you on that. But, oh, good, um, Lord, good Lord. We'll come sure. on to that. I've got lots of questions for you, Tom. But before we get to that, we've got a random question generator. You know when you you know you go around a friend's house, you have a cup of tea, and you end up staying late, and it's 12 o'clock, you're debating life with a tub of ice cream, and you've got this random... Sort of. I mean, I've, I'm, that sounds a bit like a <laughs> hen party or some sort of 80s <laughs> film about... Uh, uh, somebody getting dumped but yeah <laughs> well it's the very big but unimportant life questions oh I see okay. from a, a very random question generator so I've got six questions so imagine you're rolling a dice mm. pick a number between one and six four. I'll throw a question at you four okay oh it's a bit personal this one best birthday gift you've ever received huge huge question um <laughs> start oh. big it's not big. Uh, I got a, a painting that my friend Eleanor did. That was a great birthday present. Oh, that's a personal touch. Yeah, that was lovely. And I've got it as my screensaver on my phone. And people often say, what's that painting? I want that. What, what's it on? It's uh, abstract. It's uh, abstract. Is that the right word? It's dots yeah, 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 different yeah, colours sure. and stuff. Shapes and things. Yeah, I like oh, it. Oh, lovely. That's a nice personal touch. I like that. Nice personal touch. I mean, I feel like there was probably... Like the Fisher Price kitchen I got when I was seven <laughs> as well. That was pretty yeah. great. That was, yeah, it was less that. than seven, I think, probably like five or six, but I loved it. Kids of today have no idea about Fisher Price now, do they? It was the best. Yeah. And the advert about the little, yeah. little girl making her dad, mum and dad breakfast, but not understanding about food and making a Swiss roll with baked beans on top. Do you remember that advert? Uh, you were younger than me, Tom. Mm, it was a very well, vivid slightly. advert. And I think it was a Fisher Price mini kitchen. Toy kitchen, it's like the Argos catalogue as well, isn't it? That was a big deal. People are obsessed with the Argos catalogue. We also yeah. went to another shop called Index. Was that nationwide? I don't know if that was a nationwide phenomenon. Mm, not, sure. not sure. Smaller. Mm. Uh, Index, the Index catalogue. So we had all the catalogues um, full oh. of dreams. It wasn't really for people to make out that it was full of dreams. For me, it was just full of um, options for a watch. <laughs> that was my go-to present. Go for oh, okay. a watch. Okay. What Casio watch would I get? I had a James Bond watch, which I loved, but it did oh, play very nice. the theme music to James Bond. That one, that was the alarm yeah. on it, which was a bit embarrassing if it went off in class. I mean, you know, you've got to rock it, got to go with it. Yeah. Let's do one yeah, more. I mean, Argos catalogue also had things like um, those things in the garden that were very popular in the 80s and 90s, which, and 70s, I think, like a very highly padded bench on a, a swing seat with a, with a yes, canopy yes. over it. Yeah. Well, very it's still popular, popular, right? 
I've never seen them since, actually. Now people have a sofa. That's the go-to. You have, like, grey, because everyone has to paint their house white with grey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then everyone is... Turn- I want to say... Like, I keep looking on Rightmove and seeing all these places that are, like, white and grey. It's like, chill out on the white and grey, mate. Because then, then they do, like, horrendous things. We're like, just our whole house, just white and grey. I just think it looks so clean. And then they put in, like, loads of, like... What can only be described as like vajazzling um, with like <laughs> chandeliers and stuff, and I just want to go. Oh, why have you done that? Too much. Too, too much. much. And if you are going to put your home on right move, do expect people to judge it <laughs> with no intention of buying or even looking at your, your house. No, that's fair. That's fair. fair well, right. I've just asked you a, a pretty um, pretty personal silly... question. I turned it on. Well, yes, but also a bit a bit of a stupid plot twist question. So let's ask oh. you a proper one. Our favourite plot twist questions around careers. The um, South Korea. So, well, well, no, no, but actual, you know, career, and career. South Korea, North um, Korea. Or oh, a career um, A career Rather career. than careers. Yeah. Um, what has been, if you, if you think about the narrative of, you know, your, your own career and your story, what has been the biggest plot twist moment? Um, I think when some friends of mine suggested I try stand-up, because I thought I wanted to be an actor, and then it turned out I was just gay. <laughs> And um, I uh, and 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 some friends of mine suggested I try stand up, so I did. Uh, How I old were you? Twenty one, twenty two. Oh, okay, okay. So when you did, so you think you're funny, which is the sort of competition at Edinburgh Fringe. Yes. You'd only just started then, because you won. Yeah, you had to be going for about. Did my first gig in the January? You couldn't have been going for very long. That was the idea. Maybe a year or That's something. That's incredible. You, you had to be going for less than a year. Yeah, I think yeah, was yeah. The idea. A lot of um, big names have won that as well. Yeah, it was nice. It was yeah, it was nice to do. Although, it was lovely to sort of have that like stamp of approval. But at the same time, it meant that when I turned up at gigs, people were like, "Well, I guess he must be good." And then I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, "Actually, yeah. I've only been going a little amount of time, so I had to learn a lot." But that was um, a long, long time ago. So you're talking about that that pressure. Uh, actually, we've mentioned the first two episodes of this series where. Uh, Maisie Williams, for example, is talking about that public persona that you have to put on. And mm. in some ways, it must be almost more heightened for comedians. Do you, do you feel a pressure that when you're out and about in public that there's an expectation that you, you have to be funny all the time? Uh, to, to an extent, although what I have found is that if anybody does want to talk to me or they do say hello, they, unfortunately for them, soon regret it because I love to talk. And on... <laughs> Almost any any subject with no authority or or infam- you know intelligence. Um, you'd be good for a podcast. I'm I'm basically a walking podcast, <laughs> and um, you can see it as they come up and say hello, and they go, oh hello, We're, I've, I've seen you with that program, and I like that. And then as I start to interact with them, you can see this kind of look like come over their oh, eyes God. where they're just suddenly bored, <laughs> and and they glaze <laughs> over and they're that. like, how are we going to get out of this? And then they, which is not you're supposed to be like, thank you very much, that's very kind of you, goodbye. Um, but instead I just keep them talking and then they, they then have to make an excuse and have to be like, well, I'm, I've, I've got, anyway, I've got to go now, uh, cause I've got to go back to work. And I'm like, and another thing, have you ever thought about, um, the hanging baskets? And, and, and <laughs> they're kind of like, you know, bemused by it really. But, As I said on, on Plotsis, we've had a lot of actors on. And obviously mm. they talk about how they embody a character, how they get oh, into God. a role. They love all that um, chat, don't they? Yeah, well, I mean, look at Michael Sheen. He's a perfect example of that, right? Look at Michael but, Sheen. Um, but I suppose comedy is quite similar. You've got, obviously, the more extreme examples of something like a Lee Francis playing Keith Lemon or, mm. I don't know, Sasha Baron Cohen taking on the role of Borat, for example. But even, I suppose, on stage, you're, you're playing a version of yourself. How, how close is 
Tom Allen the comedian to Tom Allen that's at home? I like to think quite close. I mean, I think with performing on stage, say, in a live stand-up mm. tour, you, you inevitably expand yourself to, sure. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. to kind of make it a performance that's engaging, hopefully, for people. So, yeah, there's that, uh, there's that element of it. But I, I hope that I'm pretty... I, I think pretty sure that I'm pretty close to myself. And for me, I suppose stand-up has always been about sort of one's foibles and quirks and being uh, slightly ill at ease with the world around them or a bit of an oddity. And I suppose I've always felt mm. that I am in, in everyday life anyway. So it all, all kind are, of... We all are. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody's an outsider. If anything, uh, outside being an outsider is the new insider. So we're really, you know, like a jumper that's inside out, aren't we? Um, and uh, the real outsiders are actually the people in the middle. I don't know what I'm, that sounds like. It's very profound, but it doesn't mean... It sounds philosophical, about it, it doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds philosophical, but if you unpick it, it really doesn't mean anything. It's the sort of nonsense. Put it on a piece of wood. Put it in your bathroom on the wall. Yes, so I would, I would hope that that's the case. And I think that all, all expression, all talking is really just a way of us trying to process the world. We're all acting, I think, aren't we, in a way? In a way extent. we are, and some of us better than others. Yeah, we, we exactly, exactly that. I actually met Alan Carr last year on the set of the oh. Summer About Movies for oh. a very, very quick go? interview. Huh? Oh, did you come down? Oh. I did come down, yeah, it was just with Alan. But it seemed like with him that he was very much what you see is what you get, but perhaps yeah. on TV it's just maybe dialed up by 10% or 15%, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I think um, Alan's such a brilliant person and so has been a hero of mine for so long. And it's amazing. I feel very privileged I get to work with him. He's... Um, he is so, so funny. And so, again, I suppose, so in tune with himself. I, not to make it sound all metaphysical, but I think as a comic, you have to be in tune with yourself and you have to know yourself. And I think he just, he knows himself, really. So it's almost self-assured in a way? Yeah, although that suggests... Um, I d- <laughs> no, I mean, he, is, uh, he, is, he knows himself. I think it's just that. He just knows how he... Yeah, yeah, He, yeah, yeah. he knows who he is in the world. And, um, and he's very good at sort of noticing the quirks around him and the, mm. the, the the kind of oddities of the world around him and I think I mean I like I like that I always like that sort of and I think it's all about storytelling isn't it I think good comics tell stories and I think that's for me that's what I've always admired in people what, what other sort of comics do you admire for me when I grew up loving Victoria Wood and I liked Kenneth Williams uh, telling stories on chat shows even as a small kid I loved Kenneth Williams yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and sort of Frankie Howard I suppose and um even Ronnie Corbett, when I used to oh, enjoy like Ronnie Ronnies. Corbett, like the two Ronnies and, yeah. and um, Ronnie Corbett telling us stories about his producer, um, my producer, and uh, <laughs> pushing up his glasses as he did it. And yeah. I just, yeah, I just liked it. I just love people talking like that. And, you know, even watching like Pebble Mill, where you'd have like Larry Grayson come on and tell a story. Mm. And I, yeah. I loved it. So I suppose in some ways are cliched people that I like, but they're often actors as much as they are, um, like Kenneth Williams, an actor more than, you know, it was never a stand-up, yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I, I think a lot of people like to go. For me, I like those American comics. They like like Lenny Bruce and stuff. But uh, I, I never really got into that kind of like quite. It's it's quite sort of satirical comedy, which I always felt a bit. I don't know. Sometimes a bit shouty. No, I was always obsessed with the sort of sitcoms from the seventies, like Porridge, Open All Hours, and. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ronnie Barker yeah. and oh, he's a genius, genius. Yeah, Ronnie Barker's a clever. Yeah. You mentioned uh, before about being an outsider. You've been quite open about sort of you know, how you, at a young age, you felt that way. How young, you know, were you when you actually thought I- I'm a bit different? As soon as I could talk, I always had this posh voice, and my <laughs> mum and dad were like, "Oh, we don't know where we got him from." Oh yeah, the rock. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, he talks like that. 
And I, I'm just like, I don't know why I talk like this. And mum would be like, go on, say something, go on, go talk. And then I just, and then I realised that actually it was a means of getting attention. So I'd go and talk to like, always older women, I always wanted to go and talk to older women, old ladies. I love talking to old ladies. Um, and uh, They know so, what's going on. They know, they know what, what's going on, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. But when I, when I was like three, four, five years old, I was just like, I'd just rather have a chat with these old women than I would like go and play in the sandpit. <laughs> So that was, that was what I was. I was basically an old woman at the age of three or four years old. And I don't regret it one bit. Well, you've got your book coming out shortly. I do that have that coming yeah. out, Tom. That's Called Shame, a memoir. Um, no, no shame, yeah. Um, it is, yeah, it, it is sort of covering a lot of that kind of feeling of being an outsider. And like we say, it's something that I found a lot of people actually are anyway. And, and growing up in suburbia and growing up and sort of coming to terms with feeling like an outsider. And actually, for me, stand up, was something that I got better at when I acknowledged like, oh, I am an outsider and that's okay. Because I think by society we're conditioned to go, no, just those times when you felt like a weirdo, cover those yeah. up, patch over that, try and forget about that, that time you stuck out, that time you fell over, that time you did something silly. Um, just try and forget about it or, you know, like I say, cover it up. And, and, and actually, I think we're better human beings perhaps, or we're better, that sounds like I'm a yeah, better Yeah, no, no, but the honesty better. around it, I suppose. We're, even... we're happier if we're honest, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I see that in your comedy for sure. It's almost unapologetic in, in some ways. You know, well, I've, I've, I thought for a time, there was a point when I sort of felt like, oh, am I, when I felt like I had to explain myself, I think particularly when I first started, like, oh, I'm this and I'm this. And then after a while, I just thought, oh, bollocks to it. Like, <laughs> this is who I am. And if you don't like it. And then I kind of was like, you know, like, that's why I like kind of doing, doing television where you can just be quite impatient with people. Like, it's just sort of fun just to go, just yeah. to play with like, and I don't, you know, whenever I'm, being mean to people on television, I, I don't ever mean it at all. I just sort of well, maybe a little bit. Fun to, maybe a little bit, sure. But um, <laughs> I I kind of enjoy that sort of playfulness of being. Actually, we can be horrible sometimes if we want, and it's just playful. But yeah, there was a I, I sort of there's part of me that goes actually it's best to not be apologising for yourself and to go. No, embracing who I, you are. Who I am. Yeah, chest out and everything. Kind of yeah, and I think so much like I say, so much of growing up felt like I wasn't you know, school and stuff. Mm. In the, I don't know how, how old you are, Tom, but I'm 37, so I grew up... I went to 29, big 3 oh, next year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Any terms? Uh, you'll love it. But turning 30 is much, much That's easier. That's what people say, think. isn't it? The 30s are your best years. So I'm, I've, I'm, I've liked it, yeah. Well, yeah. I, like, I did like my 20s, but I think I always felt like I should be something else. My yes, 30s, I felt yes. I've got much closer to feeling like... A bit more life experience, a bit, yeah. Yeah, I feel less shoulding about it. Yeah. You know, I just go like, oh, I want to do that. Not all the time, and still get annoyed about things and stuff. But. Just going, going back, actually, and, and going back to, to the book as well, there's a description I thought was really nice. Tom has always looked and behaved like a Victorian dandy, even when he was 10 <laughs> years old, growing up in suburban Bromley. Uh, he stuck yes. out even more. Yeah, I suppose a bit, you know, ten years old, and then leading on to your friends telling you around, you know, you should do stand up. Were you, were you naturally funny, or was it almost the circumstances around you and being that outsider that kind of pushed you towards that? I always liked being funny. I always thought being, I always thought comedy was a great way to communicate with people in a way that uh, let them know that you felt different, but didn't explicitly have to say it or say why. Because uh, like when I was at school. It was unthinkable to, well, my school, it felt unthinkable to come out or to, you know, that was how I felt. Different time, right? Yeah. It was different times. And I think it's easy to forget that that wasn't that long ago. And so comedy for me was a way of, A, communicating with people, and, and, but also making things okay. Like mm. Making the kind of, 
the insecurities or the panic or the nerves or the worry we have, all of us have as human beings, whether that's about other people or whether that's about being compared, you know, not being as good as other people or being threatened by other people or being whatever. It's just sort of a way of going, actually, if we laugh about it, then we're okay and we're in it together. I think people laughing together means that they go, oh, actually, you felt, oh, you felt like that too. Oh, I felt like that. Oh, we'll be all right then if we're mm. not all feeling insecure. You know, if we're, if we're feeling insecure at the same time. Yeah, that's quite lovely, actually. Well, yeah. that's my little theory. I mean, maybe it's all bullshit. But I don't know. <laughs> well, talking of laughing together, there's a lot of laughs on There's Something About Movies, which is oh, why, obviously, okay. you're, you're here. That must oh. be such a fun gig. I have to pinch myself doing it. I love it so much. It is so great to work with the team there. We have... The best, I don't know, a, a chat show that has such a great mix of guests. Like, yeah. it's such I a mean, I saw an episode, I've had a little bit of a preview. Oh, yeah, what did they show? Next to Joanna Lumley. That was Jennifer the... Sa- what a dream that must be. It's, I, it's me, Jennifer Saunders, Joanna Lumley, Alan Carl next to each other. I mean, it's probably the gayest thing I've ever done. And <laughs> I've, I've gone out with men. So um, <laughs> it's extraordinary. Like, it was extraordinary. And Joanna Lumley just started telling stories, you know, in a way that you might get a bit of her on a chat show, but she was... So fun and so lovely, and you know, I don't know how exactly. Talk how about much the kiss with Leonardo. DiCaprio. Oh yeah, on the bench, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she talked about how nervous she was about kissing, and you go like, you're not can't be nervous about anything. You're Joanna Lumley, one of the most beautiful women in the world, and yet she, you know, so human about it. And we had a real laugh. And actually, um, because we were filming during COVID, we had a different audience set up, so it's a bit more intimate. Yes, yes, and, of course. Um, so not, you know, we were spaced out. Don't worry, we were spaced out. Everybody was wearing a mask and we were all hand sanitizing. But um, it meant that actually it was a bit, it felt a bit more intimate. And I think everybody did sort of open up and have a bit more fun, if anything. You know, it was more fun. Um, and um, and John, yeah, she told a story at one point about Peter Sellers and saying, I said, do you oh, ever wow. meet him? She said, oh, yeah. And I think she was talking about David Newman. She said, went round to see him, fed him fish through the letterbox because he had a broken heart. David said, you know, fish, men's a broken heart. I mean, sort of mad stories, really, but so extraordinary and so fun. And to hear about like how Joanna and Jennifer were working together on Ab Fab and how Joanna was like, oh, Jennifer doesn't think I'm funny at all. She, she you know, when they yeah, first did the yeah, read through yeah. and, and I thought, oh God, I'll never get, I'll never hear back about this, you know. And my agent said, I'll oh, just get on with it. Don't worry, just take the money and run or something. And then, you know, it turned into this international phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just sort of hearing about that stuff and how, obviously, we focus on movies on, in the show. But, I mean, it's the stuff that leads up to the movies that you don't always hear about. Mm. And I, I think... Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes stuff. And if, you know, if you're a fan of the movie, I think, of, of any movie or, or just movies generally, you love to hear about that and how... You know, when a film is released, I think the PR that gets behind films is always so big and is always so like, no. And then it was, it's all so certain. It's like, yeah. And then I said, I got to make this film. And then we made the film and we knew when we were on the set, the film was going to be amazing. But, you know, like Joanna Lumley talks about a film she did in, uh, where was she, in Prague. There were all these young people and had never heard of her and she felt so insecure about it. And the, these young people were such stars. You wouldn't think she'd be insecure, would you? I know, yeah, but yeah, so, it's so human. It's so, so much more humanising. Yeah. I think that's one of the great things about um, There's Something About Movies, actually, is we really get to see... It's not, it's not the only part of it. We really get to see, though, the kind of uh, playfulness of the actors mm, and the people yeah, yeah. who come on the show because ultimately we are, you know, encouraging them to play games and even get them to dress up and well, act out scenes. scenes. I mean, that's some stuff. of the best stuff I've seen. But, oh, I'm like, so you, glad you, you like as that. Richard Nixon is one of the best things so I've ever that, seen. <laughs> that whole day was probably the like. I don't think I'll ever have as funny a day. Like it just. I hope people enjoy it 
because it there was so much repressed laughter yeah. at every moment. I mean, Alan came out dressed looking like the manager of a Bee Jams. Um, supposed but to be his playing, accent as well as as um, is extraordinary. Sir David Frost. He, um, I mean. <laughs> But also the fact that he was doing that in front of Michael Sheen, who... Who's done the role. ...done the role, and, like, to international <laughs> award-winning acclaim. Yeah. Um, and, and then for Alan to sit there and do that. And Michael was right there watching it. Uh, we laughed so much that day. And I think as well, because it was, like... We just, it was just after the lockdown, the full lockdown, so we were just oh, allowed okay. out. And I think we were just hysterical. Yeah. Um, it was such a ridiculous, funny, silly scene. And I think actually those reenactments, when we get to do the, the most serious, the more serious the film, the more fun it is to reenact yes. it yeah, badly. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I don't know if I'll ever have as much, I don't know if I'll ever laugh as much as I did that day. <laughs> it's one of those shows actually, because I don't know about you, if I come home from work, like sometimes not, I mean, it's been some amazing series that have come out recently, like Chernobyl or Game of Thrones. And oh, yeah, but sometimes you need something, but you <laughs> yeah. need something, sometimes you need to come home and you just want something a bit lighthearted and you want well, a bit of fun. This is like the so. perfect, this is the perfect show for we it. We right? honestly had the best time. And I think, you know, we, we have done anyway making it, but particularly at this point, we wanted it to feel like it was a real party, just like a silly kind of gathering of people who just, yeah, well, did and did have a, and wanted everybody at home to feel like they were part of it. And, um, and to have a laugh with us. And obviously we celebrate the films and reminisce about the films, talk about the films, but largely the most fun comes with the chat round it. I mean, mm. there's times when, you know, the guests are on, they don't, they don't even read the crib sheet about how the games even work, but we're just having such a laugh that sort of it doesn't matter because we're sort of just, just laughing and having a nice time. And I think that's, for us, that felt so important just that we could mm. be sat there and, and, and kind of going, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the rules are either, to be honest, Joanna. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, and we had that it's kind of, it was really our aim that we would share that laughter and that fun and that, that kind of silliness of it. Of kind of, and, and it's kind of satisfying as well when you have these big international stars come on and they start yeah. telling us stories. And like Rafe Spall started to really enjoy telling a story about um, meeting Madonna. And, um, As you do. As you do, and just but just like really relish it, but told it as a very human experience. You know, didn't tell yeah. it as like. And then I was hanging out with my friend Madonna. He was like, I walked in there, and my, uh, I went. I was invited to Madonna's house for dinner. I was going to say for tea. I don't think she's <laughs> come sure out she's for a bit that. of tea. Um, <laughs> and but just like really, just sort of just you know, kind of told it as like, oh, I'm just an ordinary person who just has found himself in these extraordinary circumstances. And 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 similarly, I think. We had it with all of the guests, really, at one point or another, open up and tell silly things. And like um, uh, Nick Frost, and he talks about practising for a, a role where he has to assemble a gun, but he takes the gun home with him. And he doesn't realise that actually the authorities have been alerted and it plays out from there. It's a great story. Oh, people tell tease. these stories. You yeah. tease. Um, they tell these great stories, but in a very relaxed, sort of loose way, because yeah, they're not yeah, trying yeah. to, they're just sort of telling it for the, the seven of us. Oh, they? I love it. Yeah. Um, I've got to ask you another plot twist question. Oh, yeah, sorry, we've, we've gone off you know, track. See, no, 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 so it's, no, this is brilliant, this is brilliant. Um, fans of you will obviously know you're very close to your parents, but yeah. beside your parents, who's had the biggest impact on your career and your, your life? Oh, gosh. Pretty deep, uh, isn't it? Sorry. VD, VD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sarah Millican had a big impact on me because I knew her you when I did... You talked about didn't you? I, yeah, well, I knew her yeah. because we were both we both did So You Think You're Funny, the competition at the same time. Oh, yes, And of then um, when she was on tour, and I didn't know what I... You know, I, like I said, I've always been an outsider, and I've always been a bit of an outsider even as a stand-up because I'm... You know, I like telling stories, and I'd kind of 
turn up in stand-up clubs, you know, when I was starting out and start talking about how I used to work at a golf club and push a dessert trolley around. And, you know, you'd walk out in front of these stag parties, they'd be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, they would want, like, some bloke to come out and be like, oh, yeah, uh, boobs, or whatever. And I, you know, had no, had no frame of reference for talking or about boobs. boobs, really. I had no boobs or, frame, or, or ability to talk about them. So I, um, you know, so I, I would be... They would be furious. <laughs> so, um, and to, but I kept going. I kept going, and then Sarah very generously invited me to come and be her tour support, and that made a huge difference because um, it got me the experience, the, the regularity of doing a set in front of her audience were always lovely, mm. but in different envi- environments, and they didn't know me, and 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 had come out specifically to not see me. They come out to see Sarah. So you learn to very quickly confront the fact that that's what they're, they're there to see somebody else so you have to convince them that, that, that well, you're I was going to say do you almost need those those tough times in the early days to kind of yeah annoyingly yeah although in the time I always think this with when people talk about like oh and that was a tough experience but I'm glad of it now and you go yeah but at the time I you know when when I had tough gigs and stuff not really with Sarah but before I went on tour with Sarah mm. with tough gigs I know they should have been good stead now, but at the time I'm like, I would rather not be doing this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, there's you a know, lot of pressure up there. There's a lot of pressure, but you learn to yeah. deal with it. And 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 then when I toured with Sarah, it was such a, it, it was such a sort of stamp of approval again, and, and mm. a sort of uh, a real confidence lift. And um, but at the same time, I would say, doing this show with Alan actually, who I, as I say has been a hero of mine for so long, and, and getting to meet Jennifer, who I've loved since I was literally oh, six, she is. you know yeah. so those those people and they've been so generous to me and so inclusive of me and similar like working with joe brand as i do on extra slice like so warm to me I, i've loved joe since i was a kid so you know to have your heroes kind of um, say nice things and include you in their world is it, it couldn't be, oh, nicer, it must be really. incredible so it's a very nice feeling i'm very lucky i hope i don't seem smug in saying it not at but, all not um, at all i am um, i'm very yeah very grateful to them for, for yeah for their kindness and um yeah so I, I would say those people is that a good answer no, no no that's a very good answer just on that actually what's what is the most challenging aspect of being a comedian is it because obviously you can go on stage and be in front of a big audience or you have got a you know a panel show that's going to be in front of millions of people potentially where do you find the most pressure i think it's with yourself really i think it's the little voice in your head that goes oh no you do not you shouldn't be here this is a mistake you're not the imposter syndrome imposter syndrome so everyone has that don't they yeah every walk of life and for me somebody said to me once nerves are just the flip side of excitement so I try and reframe it now and go, maybe I'm just excited about this and try and go. And then I go, oh, yeah, I'm here to enjoy it. And as with anything in life, if you enjoy it, then you do a better job and you have more fun and, and, and people want to mirror that. My yeah, dad always said that to me about doing maths at secondary school. He said, go into things with a good heart. I know. I, was like, I don't like maths. I don't want to do it. I hate it. He's like, well, you're going to have to do maths. So you can either do it hating it or you can do it with a good heart and, and enjoy it. And then I, I did it with a good heart and then I it really enjoyed it. And actually, I did quite well. Sound dad advice. Sound dad advice. I mean, I never felt about stand-up as I did about maths. You know, I'd <laughs> go into stand-up like, oh, I don't want to do it. And um, I always wanted to do stand-up. But if I got nervous, I realised that was... I just should just go into it thinking, no, I want to do this. I, I yeah. remind myself, really, that I, I yeah. like doing it and that it shouldn't... But it's, it's a weird thing, stand-up and any kind of comedy, because audiences expect you to look relaxed and confident but at the same time you want to work so hard at getting it right and doing the best possible job so you have to work really hard so that when you come to do the performance or do the show or do the recording 
you do the work beforehand and then you can relax in the moment. Just so. just very quickly before we wrap up, conscious of time, but what would be your comedy tips? You know, if you were trying to give me some advice, what would it what would you what would you say? Tell a story. Just tell a story. And don't be afraid to be rubbish. Go out and be rubbish and allow and forgive yourself. And that sort of in, in learning to forgive yourself also you'll be you'll become more confident, which is nicer to see. I think you've got to have a bit of projection in a way, haven't you? Like, you yeah. Stronger. Yeah, I think so. And and allowing yourself to just try out different environments of doing it. I think stand up live stand up especially but any kind of stand up, you're in different environments all the time. So oh, it must be such a thrill though. It's fun. It's yeah. great fun and it's uh, lovely to be around different people and, and you hope that, you know, you all come together and sort of laugh together and, and realise like, oh actually, you know, this is a nice thing. We're you know, we're having a nice time. I think in a time, particularly at a time at the moment when oh, definitely. Um, things yeah. sort of seem so kind of um, trying for everybody, uh, you hope that things like comedy and, and television are a means for people to go, oh, we'll be okay. Look, mm. these people are able to laugh, we can laugh. We can all laugh together. And I think that's, I, I, I really genuinely do hope that's the case with this show with there's something about movies that it's um, it's a thing where everybody, and it can be the, the biggest film star we have on there, you know, and, and we're all in the same boat. We're all going, oh, we've all got to lock down. We've all, you know, we've all got to be wearing a mask uh, out and about. We've all got to be, yeah. you know, we've all got to, got to adhere to it. We've got to adhere to, you know, we've all, and the panic and the nerves around it all and the despair that I think we've, we've all felt at various points. We've all, it doesn't matter who you are, everyone's gone through it. So we want it to be a bit of a laugh where everyone's together. And, uh, and, and, oh, and oh is that for sure? Oh, well, uh, thank you so much. What has been lovely is in these challenging times talking to you, Tom. Tom, you flash. And if you ever need a stunt yes. double, I, here, I'm ready to, yeah. I feel like you're taller than me. How tall are you? Um, six foot four. Are you really? I am, yeah. Yeah, I'm six foot four as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you, well, I'm five foot eight, so I am. Yeah, I mean, I don't tell anyone. Then, yeah. yeah, people don't need to know, do they? People don't need to know. No. In fact, that would so, be good. People are like, wow, he's very tall. So there we go. Okay, you're give on. Me, give me a shout. Cool. Okay, I'll let you know. Well, thank you so much for being on Plot Twist. Thanks it's been, so much. It's been great fun. Oh, great to chat, and thank you for um, letting me talk about these uh, things. Oh, so there it is, the Toms. And as usual, our Tom trying to get in with the celebrities. Although, we, I mean, we talk about plot twists. What a plot twist that would be if one of our hosts ended up being a stuntman for Tom Allen. Strangely, I can see that. Anyway, I really, really enjoyed listening to that. And it was so warm and fun. And to be honest, they both sounded like they were just having a very lovely time. I think the thing that really stood out for me in that interview is around the fact that good comics find funny in the everyday. But the amazing thing about Tom Allen, and you can really tell it listening in that interview, is that he finds the funny in every single sentence. He quite literally can come back on anything. And I think the brilliant thing is where a lot of comedians have sort of an act or a stage persona, it's obvious that Tom Allen is just 100% funny. He's not acting. What you see on screen is what you get in person. And I'm pretty jealous, to be honest, that Tom got that 
all to himself in the interview this week. Although I would say that I can identify with Tom Allen. He says he's a talker to the point of eyes glazing over. And to be frank, if I had joined the interview, we may not have even got past the random question generator. We'd have just been waffling away backwards and forwards with each other. And big shout out to Tom Allen for the Fisher-Price throwback. I loved that. So that's about it for this week. So a huge, huge thank you to Tom Allen for joining us. And if you want even more of him, which I'm sure after that interview you will, then you should watch There's Something About Movies on Now TV. And of course, we can't end this week without me giving a huge thank you to our own Tom uh, for such a great, great interview. And I'm looking forward to be reunited next week. So we will see you then. (laughs) 